seborrheic dermatitis. So what is seborrheic dermatitis? This? Yes, so the exact cause of seborrheic dermatitis is unknown. Like with all, with most of uh, hair loss conditions and scalp conditions, they are unknown. That's why we need to dig deeper and deeper. Uh, but it is be believed to be the overgrowth of uh, oh. the yeast, malassezia. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a kind of yeast and it's found usually in skin and of course when certain uh, factors like stress, hormonal changes, certain medical conditions can trigger it and it will come out like a seborrheic dermatitis. So how it's look like exactly in the picture, it's red scaly and the oily patches on the scalp, it's found on the face and sometimes other area in the body and uh, it affects all ages from infants all the way to 30 40 60 even like uh, my daughter had uh, kind of seborrheic dermatitis for babies it's called actually cradle cap and it took me it took me five months to get it on control and i am a trichologist but <laughs> <laughs> it took me five months to get it under control um yeah. sometimes yeah, so it's, sometimes it's hard sometimes you know you have to work around it and uh, until it clicks, until, you know, you finally get it under control. Uh, one of the things that I also like to mention about seborrheic dermatitis is, you know, the, the yellowish type of dandruff that is quite mm -hmm. unique from subderm instead of, for instance, psoriasis, which is always silvery, always white. Uh, you don't see that yellowish type of dandruff. And, you know, that's one of the things, you know, people confuse uh, uh, seborrheic dermatitis with psoriasis so much is, you know, you have to differentiate this. You know, one is dry, the other one is oily. Simple. <laughs> and yeah. with the dry one, if you pick them, you might bleed. You do not see that with sub with subderm, with seborrheic dermatitis. Uh, if you if you scratch it too much, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to get, you're going to cut yourself. Yes, but... Other than that, you will not be able to see blood uh, after you, you pick uh, on your skin with seborrheic dermatitis. And again, uh, these two types of scalp conditions, uh, you may see them as uh, autoimmune disorders, genetic, uh, autoimmune, and also they can be triggered by, by many, many, many things. Uh, Carrie, on your experience, what, what have you seen uh, with seborrheic dermatitis? Yeah, um, exactly what you said. I see it quite often more with clients going through hormonal changes. Um, so, well, yeah, it's those little triggers. Exactly what you said. I'm not going to repeat what you said. So, <laughs> Yeah, uh, we have also uh, with Sebderm, um, specifically one of the things that I, I've been able to find with my cases, uh, and I get I get a lot of Sebderm because I'm, I'm in the tropic. I'm in the heat, baby. So over here in the island of Puerto Rico, we have a lot of moisture, a lot of heat, and it is quite common, I'll say. Uh, I know that uh, maybe in Canada, uh, you have more psoriasis than than, than maybe subderm. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, you know, with, with, with depending on where you live, you may see some conditions, uh, you know, more commonly than others. Over here, subderm is, you know like uh, rice and beans everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, uh -huh. I have a couple of treatment options that I was reading about this morning for subderm and it's really interesting. So since subderm is a chronic condition, as we said, um, so there's microbiome targeted therapies, which is uh, basically probiotics to the skin. 
You know how yes. we have probiotics and prebiotics for our gut? So it's yeah. the exact same thing. It's just for the skin. Uh, so they they actually are called microbiome targeted uh, therapies to restore the balance to the skin microbiome and alleviate the symptoms. It's amazing that. Mm. And uh, one of the things that I like uh, what you just said about, you know, have a healthy microbiome on the scalp. It's very important because, you know, you have the malassezia, you have the yeah. demodex and many other types of uh, bacteria uh, that are needed in our scalp. Yet when these uh, microorganisms grow in large numbers, they create havoc, you know, yeah. and that's the thing. You know, we have to eliminate the excess of it because if we eliminate them completely then we throw off balance mm -hmm. our scalp and you know that's huge that yes. is huge um whenever we talk about uh, keeping the microbiome on the scalp it, it's very delicate balance specifically with ph levels <sighs> i cannot even begin to, with this discussion because whenever you go um You whenever you go to to maybe the pharmacy, the supermarket, or even a beauty a beauty shop, you see thousands of bottles of shampoo, right? But do they test the pH level for those? Do they show pH level numbers? Not many. And the fact of the matter is that most of the products that we have out there are very very alkalinic to the scalp. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we need to consider is that the scalp is balanced at 4.5 to 5.5 on the pH level scale. And most products that we find on the shelves, uh, they're about nine and eight on the pH level scale. So it is alkalinic. And most of the time, what that will do, it will dry your scalp like mm -hmm. crazy. And you will say, but Serge, that's what I want. I need to remove the oils from the scalp. Yes, we need to remove the oils, but what if we do it inversely? Let's reduce the pH. Let's use more acidic type of product instead of alkalinic. I love that you say that. Okay, I I had done a present. I used to teach for Matrix and for Davinus, and I actually did a presentation on pH with another colleague of mine. We have to do a topic on this. I think we need yes. to do a whole yeah. video on this because I like, this is amazing. It's funny because the whole acidic. I always tell my clients put lemon. Yeah. Lemon is because yeah. it's a you know your ass bouncing it out. I love that you said that. Sorry, I had to jump in because I'm getting no, excited. No, no, and the same thing with uh, for instance uh, apple cider vinegar. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, you know, apple cider that's vinegar. A, that's one of the ways that you can get rid of excess bacteria, uh, uh, malassezia, demodex. You can get rid of those, you know, by using that. And, and it is acidic and it's going to help balance that pH level on the scalp. So the thing is, you know, whenever you're thinking about um, treatment, for instance, one of the things that I, I like to do for my customers is I like to use a two shampoo treatment. Uh, I like to use a acidic treatment, uh, acidic shampoo, you know, to treat the scalp. And I will use a second shampoo, but, you know, to dry for, for, for dry hair, you know, to balance the moisture after I remove excessive amounts of oils. So that way I can, you know, uh, balance the equation here. And I love using uh, conditioners and moisturizers to the scalp, particularly whenever I'm dealing with septum or psoriasis. 
because these types of condition, whenever you're removing dandruff, I mean, you're going to use heavy stuff. You're going to use, you know, strong products to remove those scaling, those, those scales out of the scalp. So you're going to dry the scalp intentionally. All right. Since we already know that that's going to happen, then I intentionally moisturize to counterbalance the effects. So yeah. that way I can get, you know, I can get the cleansing at the same time I'm getting the moisture. And once that uh, flare up has been under control, I get the uh, the harsh ingredients out and I stick with, you know, the uh, 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 a level of moisture less intense than the one that we were using before. So we're keeping it cool. We're keeping it calm. And in, in, incredibly enough, there's a correlation between pH and moisture. Uh, an inverse relation. So the more moisture, the lower the pH. Mm -hmm. The more dryness, the higher the pH. What do you guys think about that? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. You said uh, I want to talk about the apple cider vinegar thing. Actually, what what uh, how I did solve the problem of the cradle cap for uh, for my daughter is actually using apple cider vinegar. Yeah. <laughs> um, we did apple cider vinegar baths uh, to kill off the bad bacteria on her skin and scalp because also eczema is very related to cradle cap. Most people who have, who have uh, eczema will have cradle cap. I mean babies. Uh, so anyway, we did the apple cider vinegar to kill off uh, the bad bacteria and give her probiotics specifically targeting the skin so we counterbalance basically what we're doing. And as you said, exactly, after the, the ACV bath, she will be so dry and so scaly, poor baby. And then I will just drench her in a, re in a really good moisturizer. Yep. So this way, after three or four, actually it took us maybe six times, we started to balance and started to counteract that cradle cap and the eczema in her skin. It's amazing. One of the other things that uh, whenever you're dealing with for instance, subderm. Um, the, uh, there are five different factors that I always like, you know, to to pay attention to. Uh, number one, stress. Mm -hmm. If you are under stress, if you're stressing, if you are going through hardship, uh, you need to watch for those, and you need to find ways to manage. What are what are you some of the the, the best things that you guys like to recommend to uh, to um, you know to manage stress? Kerry, what you 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 are a stress expert. Yeah, what are the things that, that yeah that you like to 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 do with your mm -hmm. customers? You teach to them. Yeah, um, stress has a lot of things. First, I, I couldn't point what type of stress you have. I categorize my stress in four factors. Um, intake stress, so anything you consume, um, environmental stress, so everything that's happening to you around you that's that day or that week in that particular time. Um, was there a a trauma or a residual trauma that was triggered recently that hasn't been addressed or if there's been a physical stress that you haven't been aware of and a physical stress could be even could be from tripping and hurting yourself to even the way you hold your body so for example sitting on your computer all day causing tension in your shoulders causes stress so really pinpointing the type of stress that it is first and then kind of trigger, I usually have them analyzed within a week or two of when things started to happen, when things were changed, kind of like the journal. Like, was there anything out of character that happened? Is there anything out of routine that happened? Is there food that you don't normally have happened? And kind of analyze it so we could pinpoint it the best that we could. 
yeah. or like hormone and even impersonal stuff like hormones like are you going are you menopausal are you going through puberty are you you know there's a lot of triggers right yeah like stopping or or restarting the oral contraceptives or upping the dose or lowering the dose all this all causes the hormonal changes in the body stop nursing stop uh, right exactly yeah. oh yeah yeah of course the postpartum hair loss uh, i should talk about that <laughs> <laughs> hey, and i have to throw in something for cradle cap when um, my kids had cradle cap when they're younger um i actually saved a lot of my breast milk and i used breast milk on it that helped quite a bit yeah. and oh, tea you know tree why? oil you know why because breast milk has the best bacteria you know it is yeah. it it's a probiotic it yeah. has you know we are all made of bacteria we are three million yeah. cells of three million bacteria kind of bacteria whatever the number is but it's kind of in the millions anyway your breast milk is is very compatible to their to their microbiome and skin microbiome that's why they use breast milk it's yeah. just perfect you just said that we and even also- had my my lactation expert so my son Hendrix actually he even he had pink eye <laughs> My daughter, I was nursing at the time, and my lactation coach, she actually came, she like put some of the breast milk around his eye, and he was three, two, two, almost three, and it cleared up his eye completely. I was like, wow. There's a market for people buying breast milk, and the thing is that they're using it uh, for uh, lotions, shampoos, and even to make soap out of breast milk. And, you know, yes, uh, my, 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 my sister-in-law, she was doing it. She started a business nice. <laughs> using breast milk, you know, and, and doing soaps out of it. And I will tell you that those, uh, those soaps were medicinal. I mean, the skin um, becomes smoother, shinier, uh, any inflammation goes down quicker. I mean, Breast. It is the best bacteria you can ever ask for. <laughs> because that, that's the thing, you know, it, it's, it's again, uh, it's, it, it helps moisturize. It helps uh, uh, reduce uh, the pH level on the skin. So it, it is, it's a win-win. It's a win-win right. in there. So uh, we were talking uh, about stress and stress techniques. So uh, one of the things that I always like to mention to my customers, you know, go for a walk. <laughs> go for yeah. a walk, you know, uh, do workout, uh, meditate. Uh, pray what you like do what you like you know but yeah you know i always tell them to do things that bring them joy that they get lost in time and it can't be tv it can't be radio it can't be something that creates noise in the thought process it has to be something where you get quiet in your own mind and a lot of people are like i can't meditate it's too hard to fall asleep i get it i fall asleep when i meditate too that's why i make jewelry you got to do something that helps you get in the same mind go for a drive do something that fills your cup that type of activity that is soul food like our souls need food too and that's you know doing things that really light you up like going out with friends um going just doing activity that brings you joy like for myself like I could come home from a long day's work where day long day's worth of work exhausted exhausted I'll come downstairs and I make jewelry that's my my mindful practice I'll make a necklace I tell you it's like I had 10 cups of coffee I feel really really recharged relit and kid you know I gotta tell you guys a story this is an incredible story um, when people, I tell people to do things that bring you joy, even if you're tired, push through it. It's kind of like Sergio talking about yeah. counteracting the balancing the pH with alkaline and acid. Well, I went out during COVID when we were allowed to finally go out. My girlfriend was an RN at the Misericordia Hospital and she was working through COVID and we were finally allowed to have six people go for dinner. So we're like, hey, 
six different people. Let's go out for dinner. And I remember I was sitting at the table and my girlfriend walked up and well, I didn't even know it was her. I didn't even recognize her. And I looked at her. And I'm like, and she sat down in front of me. I'm like questioning her, her and I realized who it was. And I said, why are you here? You need to go home. Like you look like not healthy. Go home, go to bed. And she looked at me and she said, Carrie, you know what? I just need some soul food. I need some of my friends yeah. to pick me up. And I'm, I kid you not, we have pictures from before and pictures after. And so we had our dinner. We had a lot of laughs. We had fun. We enjoyed each other. By the end of it, it, it was like she had a makeover. Yeah. Right. She glows. Color. She glows afterwards. You know, being with uh, human contact is, is something amazing. And, you know, uh, it relaxes a lot of people. A lot of people, they rather be alone but you know do whatever works for you to manage your stress me personally uh i live in an island so i go to the beach <laughs> 30 i minutes, have a story okay, for you i mean then we're in this island and you're mm. near the beach so you know that that's the beauty but the thing is you know you have to work on your stress because stress is a powerful signal right. and when it comes to subderm it will trigger the sebaceous gland to produce more sebum. And the problem with subderm, guys, is that, you know, that sebum, when it's being produced, it gets clogged inside the follicles. And when it gets clogged inside the follicles, it gets oxidated. And as it oxidates, that sebum becomes toxic. And when it goes and draws out from the follicle to the scalp, it will burn. That's one of the things that we see with subderm. That sebum becomes toxic and starts burning the skin to the point where we start seeing the scaling. That's why subderm is so different uh, to psoriasis. Uh, and, and this is one of the major uh, features of it. So dealing with the stress is very important to help control that sebaceous gland activity. The other area that you guys mentioned was hormonal control. Let, before before we go there, yeah. I, I, I have a story to tell about stress reduction. Aha, uh -huh. let's talk about it. Yes. And one of my darkest times, uh, I was like really sick and in bed and it was really hard. Sergio Cardona called me. <laughs> yeah, the call of a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> he called me out of the blue. And I have been in bed for the past, I would say, three, four months at that time. I didn't move. I couldn't move around. It was like really, really, I was in a really bad shape, healthy, health-wise health and mental-wise. And out of the blue, Sergio Cardona calls me. <laughs> and he picked up that I was um, uh, like struggling five minutes. I am not kidding you, Carrie. Five minutes into the phone call, I was walking around the house, talking like full of lung, full of from the full of my lungs. And some, somehow he pulls me out and somehow I am motivated again. Somehow I'm ambitious again. And somehow we're doing great stuff back again. Yes, it man. took him five minutes to get me out of this. By the grace of the Lord. <laughs> I, I, actually, I, know, I, I know that the Dino Dean was like, hey, was uh, Sergio, when, when are you calling again? When are you calling again, please? <laughs> Dino was very jealous. He's like, three months I'm trying and I couldn't get you out. And then Sergio, a five minutes phone call. He was just, get you moving. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the thing you know whenever you get a call from a good friend you know it, it, it lifts your spirit up right you know and, and whenever you, you you're having you know hard times you you want that call but it, it 
if you haven't heard from a friend, please pick up the phone and start calling people, okay? Th this, is, this is something for you guys. You who are watching, pick up the phone and start calling people because there's people in need everywhere. There's people in need everywhere. So it, it actually helps a lot when you're dealing with stress yourself to call someone up and, and you know, to help out anyone out there. If, if getting involved in someone else's, you know, life, uh, it actually helps you uh, control your stress. Yes, it, it puts you in the right place, you know, gets gets you, you know, uh, well, maybe I'm not doing that bad. You, know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you just shift your focus to something else because when exactly. we're struggling physically or mentally, we just focus, we are just in a box and we need help of other people outside of even our family, like the people we see every day. We need somebody else to just pull us out of this box. Um, That's true. And, and at that point, I had a lot of, of like, um, remember we talked about this, uh, Carrie, I had a lot of trichodemia, which is pain in my scalp. And we will talk about this in, in, in another episode, but it's actually where your hair follicles become painful and it's called trichodemia. And it's solely because you are under a stressful situation. Yeah. It's just amazing how our, how our body works. It's like your hair follicle starts to be painful. Like, how, how weird is that? It shows you that something is wrong and we need to deal with it. I Now, know. let's talk about hormonal changes on how these hormonal changes can also trigger our septum uh, effects. So, uh, Carrie, let's talk about here about a little bit about hormones. People don't take care of their hormones. Yeah. What's well, up with that? I mean, people having diabetes and they don't take care of their diabetes. They have uh, thyroid issues and they don't take care of the thyroid. I mean... What's going on? <laughs> well, a lot of it has to starts with lifestyle, being aware of what you're eating, being aware of your body. Um, it really starts with, you know, being physically in shape. And, you know, a lot of people, when they think they have to be physically in shape, they have to be in the gym forever and working out and lifting weights when really it's 20 minutes of getting your heart rate up, 10 minutes up and down the stairs in the morning, 10 minutes up and down. It's just getting the heart rate going up. But hormones, it's, you know, that's the number it's usually the reasons that there are out of balance is those you're not taking care of your body i'm sorry i'm gonna say it i'm you're not drinking enough you're not eating for your body you're not physically exercising now there are those times where you know you can't help it yes there are those times and they're also too coming into hormone changes as well for example pregnancy puberty menopause all of yeah. that that does come into a factor but if you are prepared for things coming up it'll make the load a lot easier as well but just being aware and open open to you know figuring out how to balance those hormones and your you know the new changes actually like, like hormones hormones sergio is the is especially for women uh most mostly for women is very very uh, hard thing to uh balance out because uh, as carrie said it is all about your your lifestyle and stress level and uh, uh your diet and all the things considered but uh some people are um more predisposed to have uh, hormonal imbalances even before menopause like on uh, even most women when they start to hit 40 they start to feel the changes in their bodies so i think right oh yeah duh. but the, the thing is you know <laughs> if, if you start seeing the changes why right. don't you go to a doctor i mean that's, what I, I I, I, that, that's one of the things that that, that i it, it, yes. it gets me mad whenever i have this uh sweet ladies come into my office 
and they're not visiting their gynecologist. They're, they're not going to their doctors. I'm like, woman, you need to visit a gynecologist. Come on. But <laughs> some, some are prepared to hear about it or prepared to face it. Some it's yeah. uh it's a scary topic. I know um, I know they can be scary, but you know, logically, if you're feeling something, if you're seeing something, ignoring it will not make it go away, guys. So no. you know, I, I, I'm I'm trying to get into the psyche of why people, you know, neglect their bodies when their body's speaking to them. You know, I can't and tell you we why. should ask. We should act up upon it. Why why do you think that's biz? Uh, I think because all the like hormonal uh, replacement therapies got really bad uh, media since uh, since it started uh, to be a topic back in the 70s or 80s, uh, when they started using synthetic hormones to balance hormones for women, um, then a lot of breast cancer cases started to be on the yeah, rise. Yeah. However, it is so, so till now. 80% of the population think that hormonal replacement therapies are bad. It is actually on the contrary. They don't use synthetic hormones like, like it started in the beginning. Now it is more advanced and they do microdosing and there's a lot of uh, uh, like, like devices you put on your body, on the woman body that it sees the hormonal changes during the day and during the cycle so if they if they are under the care of a really good functional medicine doctor unfortunately western medicine doctors are not trained enough unless they are this is their specialty so unfortunately some gynecologists they are actually they don't know how to deal with hormonal imbalances because medical school doesn't teach them how to do that but uh, most of functional medicine people will know how to do that especially the one who practice hormonal imbalances is a very niche specialty. So they, they will track through the phases of the woman's cycle and they microdose exactly what the woman need with bioidentical hormones, not synthetic hormones, uh, like they are synthetic, but as it's bioidentical. They are as exactly. near as the, the, the hormone found in our bodies. And I think my personal opinion, I am not a doctor, just my personal opinion that all women should do that uh, because menopause and pre-menopause are not pretty. It's not only hair, it's mood swings. It's, yep. I have seen it and I have seen it in myself too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the health flashes, the dryness, the, right. uh, so many things that, you know, like happen at the all same the, time. All the scalp conditions can be triggered just because of a lady who has hormonal imbalances, all, yes. all of them. It can be psoriasis, it can be subdermal, it can be anything. Yes. And uh, to add one thing before, sorry to make it long, but to add one thing, men actually do go through menopause. We yep. don't usually, like, okay, some, some men, they don't acknowledge that, but actually- Even we don't, do. we, 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 we don't like to, we, we, yes. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> much, we do, we do, though. we do. Come on, guys. Yeah, the macho, <laughs> I know. But men, is, they do have hormones as us. Of course, we are more complicated, biologically speaking, as females. Amen. But but males do have hormones. <laughs> yes, we are, biologically speaking. And our... <laughs> okay, so, but let, let's go back. So basically, men do, do go through menopause and hormonal imbalances and they need to go to the man gynecologist i don't know what they call it <laughs> or, usually usually we see the, the urologist or proctologist okay thank you because you know, 
Yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah, after 40, we, we want to skip that visit uh, for obvious reasons. But I mean, the raw and honesty here. I love it. Yeah, yeah. That's, I know, that's, I know. that's, that's the thing. We're life, guys, we're life. But the, the thing is, you know, we need to visit our doctors. No matter how, how uncomfortable it may feel, we need to address our hormonal issues. Right. If we are not uh, addressing them, we are neglecting. And by neglecting, our body is going to suffer. And of course, the hair is going to suffer. So okay. if you care, you guys, if you're watching, if you care for your hair, start taking care of your hormones. Period. All Sergio right. just woke up. <laughs> Sergio just woke up. <laughs> so here's the thing. We talk about stress. We talk about hormones. And I mentioned there were five elements here that, that we need to take care of. So the third one will be diet. And then the thing with diet, specifically with Serbderm, is about glycemic load and about lactose, about milk products. And there's a couple of studies that shows that uh, a high glycemic uh, diet and, of course, a high uh, milk uh, product diet can increase the production of androgens, thus leading to the production of more sebum, thus leading to subderm and many other conditions. So what do you guys think about that? There's a Carrie. difference between glycemic load oh, and glycemic index. Yeah. That glycemic index is where your blood sugar shoot up right to the sky and then goes down. Uh, no, sorry. Glycemic index is when <laughs> I got so much ahead of my myself in my head. Glycemic index when when the fruit actually yes it raises your blood sugar really very high. But glycemic load is um, is actually the number of the number of carbs, not carbs, without the without taking without taking in, into consideration the fiber. So there are two different identities. Mm -hmm. um, I'll research it more so I can explain it more. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, the, the sugars in the body uh, will react uh, upon us, and you know, it, it can trigger those androgens. And you know, again, DHT is. Uh, produced in the sebaceous gland and it will react upon the sebaceous gland and we create more of it. And, you know, it, it can sometimes, and, and this is one of the funny things, whenever I see subderm, uh, sometimes to say the least, I will say that about 60% of my subderm cases will be related also to antigenetic alopecia because of mm -hmm. the androgens in the sebum. Uh, so that's one of the things that I, I also like to consider. Now, Kerry, uh, whenever we're doing the uh, specifically the uh, epigenetic test, we we talk a lot about the diet, and we 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 talk about you know the, those little things in our diet that can cause a reaction. So, walk us a, a little bit uh, about this here. About the ingredients and stuff, like. Yeah, how how they, how they can you know react and make our body. For instance, uh, I was mentioning you know lactose and um, sugars can make our body can trigger our body to produce uh, more sebum, and we see similar cases with other uh, other nutrients in the uh, in our system that you know. Uh, for instance, uh, I was doing an epigenetic test uh, this week for a, a, a small girl. Uh, she was about a year and a half, and. One of the things that the test showed us, you know, stop eating chicken for 90 days. <laughs> like, kids only eat chicken, you know. But her alopecia areata was being caused by uh, maybe some of the hormones that are in the chicken sometimes, you know. So 
we need to lay low on it for a little while for our body to 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 regress you know to to go back to where it should should be and you know uh, what do you think of it yeah absolutely food is a huge thing um And for those that don't know, my husband is a trained chef and I've also taken a lot of nutrition courses myself personally. So I do know a lot about nutrition and food. Um, and being I love celiac, a man who can cook. <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> But a lot of food, like you have to be really aware, like we we are we are different chemicals and there's chemical reactions to things and different foods have higher amounts of stuff. So for example, like you have foods that are higher in mineral higher in vitamin, higher in amino acid, higher in fatty acid. And knowing those foods and depending and doing an epigenetics test, we can analyze what you might have to be cautious of. For example, myself, I have to be cautious of high rich vitamin K foods because, and so once you start being aware of that, knowing, you know, for my body, I know what I'm craving. I know what I'm not craving. I know um, if my body's depleted in it because my body reacts to it. And yes, absolutely. You have chemical reactions, chicken. Um, it could be the test. Uh, tryptophan in it that's causing an effect on them. I know turkey and poultry does have high amounts of, of tryptophan. Vacuum has a cause of an effect. So yeah, it depends on everybody. Like you talked about lactose. They could be lactose, but it could be the high protein in the milk that yep. they're reacting to that their body's not able to break down. Um, and it's epigenetics is essentially biohacking your body to heal itself. So that way you could consume these foods, unless it's a monomaly of something. There are factors that are in consideration too but for example as a celiac i if i've had an attack i cannot digest and produce i cannot digest um any produce i it inflames things it makes my guts all look bad but if my gut is in a healthy state and i've biohacked and healed my gut i can have more amounts of dairy than normal because i'm aware of healing my gut and using those tools to heal my gut so Yeah, absolutely. Like food is a big factor. A lot of people don't realize. And just because you have a reaction to something today doesn't mean you won't have a reaction to it from a month from now if you've corrected it either. Yeah. Besan, yeah, you is, study this. so Yeah, this is exactly going back to what we said uh, two, three episodes back. It's about your food sensitivities. So um, whenever, whenever a person comes with alopecia areata or any scalp condition, I will actually run a food sensitivity because it could be Uh, like some trigger in your food and it could be the healthiest food ever. Like for example, for me, for me, it was broccoli and cauliflower, the healthiest food ever you wouldn't, you wouldn't think, right? Yep. But as, as Kelly said, we are all chemical reactions and we have our unique microbiome. And as Kelly said, microbiome keeps changing and because it adapts to what food you're eating right now. It adapts to your environment, to what kind of bacteria you are um, exposed to. So I, uh, and also by seasons, it goes by seasons, right? Kerry, you do the epigenetic testings yeah. by seasons too. We do it by um, seasons. I also, too, a lot of people don't consider, and in, I'm Canadian, so we have a lot of people that are mixed race. So we have a lot of right. different nationalities. Um, for myself, I'm French, Scottish, and Polish. So we also yeah. have to keep in consideration yeah. our ancestors. So I'm an evolution of my ancestors. So being aware of what you're an evolution of, and what your current environment is. And it's, again, I'm going to say this, I, I should get this tattooed. It is not a one size fits all world. No, no. And all amen, like, amen. <laughs> no, no. You've got to figure it out. That's yeah. what DNA, we all have, there's not a single DNA that like, we all have different DNA. 
And it's understanding that for you and analyzing that, understanding that, like, as soon as you understand that the world changes, like as soon as I understood my DNA and my body and my triggers, I've eliminated my psoriasis. I've helped with stopping the hair shed. Like there's I, epigenetics. <laughs> yes. Oh. Right. Yes. Actually, uh, I don't know if that fits here, but um, in my DNA testing, I found out that I do have a sickle cell trait, not a sickle cell anemia, the disease is just a trait. So on all women who has the sickle cell trait, we should be on vitamin, uh, multi uh, complex vitamin Bs, B complex basically, and folic acid for the rest of our lives. So for so the rest develop, yeah. Because, because our red blood cells are less efficient by 30% than a normal person. So the amount of oxygen that carries in our circulation is 30% less. So I need to, to increase my, my red blood cells by having uh, vitamin B complex, folic acid, iron if I'm deficient because I, like some people are not deficient in iron because I eat a lot of red meat. I love barbecue meat, so I'm not <laughs> deficient in iron. I think we all do in this group. <laughs> I know, not at all. Yeah. I'm a Mediterranean. And, uh, <laughs> um, and, and uh, what else? Uh, so, so, so basically when, oh, and also the one recommendation that I eat uh, liver and organ meats to keep my red count, red blood cells count high. So since I did that, you believe it or not, my hair is actually looks better. Don't you think? Yes, it, it looks does. better. Do you remember when when I had my postpartum hair loss? It was like really in a half of the size. And just three months of taking uh, vitamin B complex, folic acid, and uh, I take because I I don't I can't find in Florida good liver and uh, heart, and I don't know how to cook them or I don't want to go through the hassle, so I take them as pills. Okay. So nice. So so my red blood cells are just going up and up, and my lymphocytes and uh, uh, sorry, my platelets, not my lymphocytes, my platelets are going up and up. So I am having really good hair, and. How I know that this is working by looking at my hair. That's my biomarker, my free biomarker. Yeah. I love that. Love that. Now to end the, the septum uh, five uh, main issues, the other two, we already discussed them. And it's basically seasons, the temperatures, high temperatures, low temperatures can trigger these, uh, these situations. And also our microbiome, if we have a disorder with our um, uh, with our bacteria, with our um, uh, funguses that we have on our scalp, or the parasites. They are gonna run and gonna make. They're gonna start building more sebum into your scalp. So, looking at those areas, guys, uh, we need to understand that you know by controlling those five simple areas, we are able to reduce the uh the uh, the events of septum those flare-ups can be reduced during the year and we're able to take control of our bodies so what do you guys think about those uh about seasons and of course about microbiomes carrie exactly uh, and also okay. like uh yes. i think exact no sorry uh, <laughs> but like i do have one more question for both of you uh do you think uh, light therapy will be a good idea here i love the idea of light therapy What do you think, do, do you, do you use it for subderm? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. No. With I, if I have clients, because in Canada, we get the four seasons, but we joke where I am, we get two major seasons, winter and summer. And yeah. I do see it when we come from winter to summer, summer to winter quite often. And I do recommend going out in the sun and exposing the sun exposure, like as natural as you can. Because um, I know I sometimes get the suburban flare-ups too. And if like I, after pregnancy, I got it um with the hormone changes and but they would come all over my body and sitting in the sun a little exposure to the sun help clear it up and control it and same with the psoriasis as well um you can't beat vitamin d and yes the light the low level laser therapy too does help but honestly if i could first and foremost recommend i'm always like get in the sun safely yep. safely get in the sun so yeah because that, that's the thing you know for, for people who have either subdermal psoriasis the sun becomes the enemy. So you have to watch it for when are you taking that sun? You don't want to take it, you know, in the middle of the day because <laughs> it's going to flare up like crazy. Yeah, no. you got to use it as a tool, like as exactly. a tool. Right. You got to use it for the right amount. Like 20 minutes exposure is more than enough. I know with my psoriasis, it could either make it or break it. And it's just that little bit of exposure until it's healed and under control. Absolutely. Yeah. Same with this. And also, one thing to add here: also, the color of the skin is 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 a, uh, it makes a difference here. Yeah. The lighter we are, uh, the less amount of sun we need to get all the vitamin D um, receptors in our skin to change to change the sun the UV light into vitamin D. The darker the skin is, it needs longer time. Uh, to so. I mean, the, the color of the melanin, the, the amount of melanin in the skin actually varies. The darker the skin, the They more... need to be out more. They oh. need to be out in the sun more than lighter skin people. Interesting. Because their receptors, actually, they are less in number from people who have light skin, the the, the vitamin D receptors. So the you darker the skin You have to think about it, you know, is... as how, who, who's more prone to get burned? Correct. Light skin. So, exactly. yeah, exactly. exactly. So, I turn into uh, a tomato. <laughs> yeah. You, you and I, we, we go to our end of the right. sun, you know, in 15 minutes, you're burned. Yeah. And, and I can stay longer, you know. Right. But yeah, me and yeah. Sergio, we can stay longer than you, for example. <laughs> yeah. But somebody who has a darker skin to get the same benefit from the sun as we did, they have to be even longer and longer. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> this is this is the things you know that, that we discover here at the hair wire guys this is why you choose the hair wire to get hair, hair smart guys smart. 